What up? This is Yinka Dez. Peace. This is Outlaw. And you're listening to the 80s Babies Podcast. That's right. So yeah, man, take it away. So this episode, we're going to do a, another speak uh, speak on it. Speak on it. That's right. People have been, uh, been, been asking about that. We're going to do a free, kind of a free range discussion here uh, about some of the current events. Right. There's uh, several different things going on. So we'll just kind of mix all that together and right. just talk about it. So the beginning, I think uh, we'll, we'll start with, uh, you know, one of my favorite groups of all time is the people who know me know, which is New Edition. I'm just finding this out today. Um, but yes, New Edition, the... Uh, the BET movie came out, um, right. mini series movie, whatever you want to call it, yeah. uh, came out. So he and I both watched it. I thought it had a lot of good talking points. So we're going to get into that first. For sure. Yeah. So I, I'll go ahead and, uh, and and state why New Edition is my, my, my pinnacle group. Uh, and it's more so from the perspective of, of uh, I like groups that are greater than the sum of their parts um and and i think that of all time uh you know new addition with all of the different iterations of what the group were and then coming back together had the greatest impact so um you know new addition as the kitty group and then you know uh it becoming a bobby brown thing a bbd thing a ralph tresvan thing a johnny gill thing from the solo perspective lsg um you know, another bad creation and then Magnificent Seven and Boys all to those men. groups, Boys to Men, you know, et cetera, that Bivens brought through. I think he also uh, was responsible for Soul for Real. Um, so, yeah, he's 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 been involved, I guess, and in, in brought us a lot of dope groups just by himself in the, in the background. And I think, you know, from a contribution perspective, I think New Edition has had the greatest contribution uh, of any group of all time. Really? All time. That's almost uh, that's almost a, a salute, that's a me, salute or me or shoot me. But I, we don't have to go down that just because I know we more so want to discuss the movie than anything else. Yeah. But but feel free, you know, to shoot me if you want to shoot me. No, no. <laughs> um, I can actually. So I, I should start off with my perspective on New Edition, right. which is that I do not feel that way about New Edition, but mm-hmm. I don't not feel it. Right. Uh, I just so that the people know, when I was growing up, I did not really listen to black music like that. My father listened to like R&B and soul from the 50s and 60s. Right. But then everything from the 70s on, I didn't listen to any of that stuff. It was all classic rock, right. you know, Rolling Stones, Beatles, the current rock. So we've got uh, Wham, Phil Collins, you know, <laughs> Cindy Lauper, groups like that. Michael <laughs> Jackson, obviously. Right. Uh, so I didn't get really into black music until, or like mainstream black music. Right. Until 1994, I got a boombox. Okay. And so I didn't really hear new edition like that. Yeah, mm. I knew I was familiar with the song Telephone Man and Candy Girl, but mm. I didn't I didn't associate them with, with that with new edition. Right. It, for me, it was the Home Again album. Okay. And so I was more familiar with I guess the Puff Daddy-ish new edition right. sound. More the, so the po- than like the, kind of post New Jack Swing. Exactly. Era. Exactly. Okay. So I for me it was a good learning experience. I should ask you right off the bat, yeah. if New Edition is your favorite group. We all know that you're a music nerd. How well do you feel that the movie, you know, I'm mm. sure they, they they left some things out. Obviously, they didn't talk about anything about Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston. Right. They just of left that not. out. Yeah. But how accurate do you think, how accurate a portrayal was the movie for you? I think they did a pretty good job. Um, I think one of the things that I've noticed about folks that are able to control the narrative from a business perspective um. I felt like Michael Bivens painted himself in the same way that Puff painted himself in the Notorious movie, 
which is like you can tell when cats have creative control behind the scenes, they kind of make their character like, you know, they have no flaws. They're, you know, they're great at whatever. And I mean, I think Bivens definitely was a dope businessman. And I mean, you know, later became, I think, the biggest contributor, you know, the quest love of that group, like the mm-hmm. guy who who went out and really did a lot of things both for the group and for people outside of the group. But um, yeah, like I felt like he kind of, it was kind of obvious that he had a lot of control over the narrative. And it seemed like it was kind of obvious that Ralph had a, a lot less control over the narrative. Okay. Um, I mean, you know, I, so we'll go to the the where were you, right? If we okay. were, if we were going to have a... um. Uh, you know, our, our make it a classic. But um, for new edition for me, I knew the Mr. Telephone Man. I knew the Candy Girl. I didn't really fall in love with the group until If It Isn't Love. Okay. And I remember, that's, that's, that's I remember one. that what the If It Isn't Love video, yeah. and you know them doing the rehearsal, and like Ralph was just so cool at that point in time, yeah. you know. And so that was like really what made me fall in love with the group. Um, and you know, like Ralph was my favorite member of the group. And I feel like he got played in this movie <laughs> so bad. And it's funny because... All right, I got my thoughts on that yeah. as well, but they're, they're going to come later. Cool, but yeah. The, what I'll say about Michael Bivens, uh, at least the portrayal of him, and again, I don't know the ins and outs, right? So I had to approach this from... I'm going to approach this entire conversation as if the movie told an accurate enough uh, depiction of right. the group. And so if you need to correct me on any point, you can correct me on any no point. But there was a scene... After the uh, after the fallout from the tour, right, and before uh, Ron DeVoe gets married, there was a scene where you know you see Michael Bivens in his office. He's got the uh, the plaques yeah. on the wall, yep. and he's having a conversation, and it's the same conversation that all those shady record execs yep. had to him. And I think that that was a nod that said, "Yes, this guy is largely responsible." Like the business of New Edition, right. Where they got to money-wise, he is largely responsible for that. But yeah. at the same time, he was also just as shady as so, everyone else. And that's that's not a that's not a really a good thing. Agreed. And let me take us on a tangent with that. Um, so a lot of people have had a lot of criticisms about Puff, um, you know, as an executive uh in the early days. And one of the things that I've heard him say, as well as some of the people who he's kind of reestablished relationships with, is, you know. Puff was using the same contracts that everybody else was using. Right. And I think that's kind of what they were trying to portray here, which is, you know, Michael Bivens was giving out record contracts with standard language that record contracts had at that point in time to other people. And other people were coming to the same realizations that he was coming to when he was uh, a kid like that. I think that it took a while for um, young black executives to really get an understanding, enough of an understanding of the business to say, I'm going to pivot away from this and do this for my artist. That's something specific. Like, I'm going to let my artist keep their publishing or I'm going to let my artist do X, Y, and Z. I think it took a few iterations of, you know, black music executives before we were able to get to that. And I, I think that that's the reason why he allowed that to stay into the movie. So let me just say that I appreciate everything that you just said. Mm -hmm. That's what you just said is the reason why I wanted to do this podcast and why I love this podcast in general. It's just that I personally think like watching this movie, Mm -hmm. one from a music perspective, but also just from a movie perspective, because I'm a big fan of movies as well. And we can talk about that a little bit. Right. But I think that this movie almost like there's so many talking points in terms of the life of an artist, uh, of a successful artist. Right. Like the, there's so many like little beats 
that, that this movie in particular like touched on mm-hmm. that I think that we can talk about. And what you sure. what you were talking like the business side with Michael Bivens and the contracts, yeah. I think that was uh, I think that's a good thing to illustrate. Mm-hmm. And I also think that you know there's there's a number of different things that had that the you know that they showed in the movie that. Uh, Probably other artists can relate to in terms of like, wow, like I was doing the same exact thing. Yeah. Um, or this happened to me or similar story, you know, so. Yo, one of the things that I also thought was dope about this that, you know, when you talk about where we are today with music versus where we were back then um, is artist development. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really dope how we kind of got to see them. You know, they were just kids singing, you know, the Jackson 5, uh, you know, song and, right. and stop, stopping the dude and, you know, trying to do the Jackson 5. And, you know, and 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 they were their steps, their dance steps, you know, and things like that were really, really important. Right. And then eventually they evolved into, you know, dude took the Tavares record and he wrote new edition on it. He said, this is what we're going to call y'all. This is going to be your identity. Right. Uncle Stroh. And then, Right, and then we got to see that kind of happen again when Boys, Boys to Men, to Men came, and right. they said, "Yo, we've been singing your song, and so we're calling right. ourselves your song." Yeah, I thought that was kind of dope, you know. Yeah. And he was like, "Okay, yeah, give me a call." And uh, the development, I kind of wish they explored that a little bit more because I kind of I do too. I can understand why they didn't, but I kind of wish they had as well. Honestly, the story of how Michael Bivens got Boys to Men their deal. From what I, a lot of industry stories that I've heard is like one of the illest stories ever because um, you want to go um, into that right now? Sure. Yeah, so so essentially what happened, at least according to the way it was retold, is, you know, he he discovered them on the road. Dudes had incredible voices, which I mean, let's keep it real. I'm a huge new edition fan and. Everybody in that group was didn't really have a voice like that. I'm gonna just leave <laughs> which, it at that. Which they highlighted in the movie. <laughs> right. Every chance they right. got, which I loved. Every time I mean, it happened, I'm just chuckling. Right. Even um, even like I don't know if you saw, but maybe a few days after the movie came out, Bobby Brown's manager came out and confessed that um on every little step. Bobby didn't sing most of the song. He wasn't able to perform both from the perspective of his vocal talent and secondly because he was so high out of his mind that he wasn't he either wasn't going to studio sessions or he wasn't able to perform and he had to call Ralph and Ralph bailed him out by performing all the all the parts of the song. But um anyway, so they get uh Boys to Men. He brings Boys to Men in and he says I want to get a deal for these guys. Um and essentially the label said, "Nah." Um, they said, you know, these kids are talented, but from an image perspective, they're squares. We're looking yeah, for. I, I'm not going to. We're looking that. for Jodeci. We're yeah. looking for Bobby. We're looking for yeah. Sexy. These guys are not it. No. So, uh, <laughs> you know, essentially, Bivens was like, "Well, these guys are going to be something totally different." And they were like, "Well, what do you mean?" He said, "I want to package and market these kids as the new Temptations." He was like, their image, they're like, they're like choir boys, like the Temptations. They have incredible vocal talent. Their, their, you know, whole aesthetic is like an aesthetic coming out of the church. And I want to, I want to market that and put that out. And the label was like, nah, like, no, you know, we don't want to gamble on that. And he really had to put his neck on the line just to get their shit out there. And they dropped Motown Philly and they went out of here. You know, and the second album too. So, the second album. Oh, the I second bought, was better. I bought the second album. Yeah. So uh, somebody actually put up a meme that was like, "Which is better, you know, the first album, or Coolie High Harmony, or two? And I and a lot of people were saying, "Well, two had too many ballads on it. It's got two, a lot of ballads on it. Two but it's is still, where they found their sound. It, I will say this: as far as the ballads are concerned, mm. I mean, you could almost make the argument that two 
is like a greatest hits in itself. Okay. In in the sense that like what other album has that many like good ballads on it? Yeah. I don't know. Like yeah. And I and I don't even like I don't they fuck with R&B. But like I I fuck with good music and I reckon like I that shit was dope. No, it was incredible. And and the thing about Cooley High Harmony um is it was kind of all over the place. They were kind of still between like uh you know these upbeat, you know, poison type records with Motown Philly, uh, you know, some kind of new Jack Swingy type of things, like a few ballads here. It just, it kind of was a little spotty from the perspective of being an, an overall cohesive album. Two felt like like this is a mature group that knows what they're doing, right? Like that, like it was a very very professional sounding album. Right. So, so, um, getting back into you know new edition, right? What did, what were your thoughts on the on the movie itself? Just from you know a movie perspective, what do you think? Thought the movie was good. Um, I I think that it it is able to compare and hold up to a lot of the other music movies that have yeah, come uh, around those. recently. Um, I think my only criticism was the ending. Okay. I thought that it was just, I mean, first of all, nobody remembers that concert, right? This is the BET. The joint. BET okay. 25. I get, you know, why they did it. It was on BET Network. Yeah. So BET Network wants to highlight that they kind of helped New Edition close out with this concert. But uh, I thought it would have been a better ending if they just ended it at the wedding. Okay. Are they doing a little dance number at the wedding? What's what's yeah? Because okay, so, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why they wanted to to show it at uh, you know the BT concert because they're all on stage performing and it's like hey these guys are back together. But I mean, so even if at the real wedding they didn't do a dance, if you remember in the five heartbeats at the mm-hmm. end of the five heartbeats they all get together and they'd have that little cookout and the one dude that's cracked out also comes back and then they all do like the dance and they re- remember and it's a good reminiscing moment and that's the end. Right. That would have been a great idea to also do with New Edition and then keep it moving because New Edition has done other things since then, but that's where they wanted to cap it off. Same time frame. So I have a, a confession to make, right. which also is going to segue into another uh, an, another question. Right. Uh, so I'm not a big fan of the Five Heart, Heartbeats movie. Okay. And I know that a lot of, a lot, I'm probably going to catch a lot of flack for that. Right. Um, I think that, you know, Five Heartbeats, it's got a lot of, I think its highs are great. Mm-hmm. I think its lows are just kind of like, eh. Uh, I don't know. I saw it recently. I just I wasn't really feeling it. Right. Where do you think this new edition movie stacks up against you know all these you know musical like these biopic types of stories? I mean, right. I'm talking about like Johnny Cash. Right. Um. You know, Jimi Hendrix hasn't won. James yeah. Brown. Yeah. Uh, Straight out of Compton more recently, or things that were also made for t- TV like uh, like the mm-hmm. TLC joint. So for me, I like all of them. Okay. Uh, I'm one of those people that I can start watching a music movie and. And I look up and three hours have gone by and I'm still watching it. And it's, you know, I'm like, oh, snap, where has all the time gone? Um, I loved, I like what's love got to do with it. I like. Is the uh, Lorenz Tate joint? Uh, um, is it? Oh, no, that's no, the that's Tina the Turner, Tina Turner I'm joint. Sorry, that's the Tina Turner um, joint. The Why Do Fools is, 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 is Lorenz Tate. Tate. That Lawrence joint, Tate. I love that too. The Temps, I think, is one of the best. I still uh, see the Temptations. Five, five Heartbeats, I thought was great. Personally, I love okay. that movie. No, I know a um, lot of people do. I think I'm in the yeah, minority. There. The Jacksons. Yeah, that's um, a good one. So I like that. You mentioned the TLC one, which, you know, I thought that was cool. I thought the um, TLC movie was good when I saw it. Um, but then after seeing this movie. Right. So I think that new, I think this new edition movie, um, I don't think it was, I'm glad that they did it just for TV. Yeah. I think no, they did it, a great job. I think that it would have failed. What they were trying to do would have failed in the theater. Uh-huh. Um, 
you know, is a contrast to how, you know, Shared Out Content performed. Shared Out Content, right. like, worked in the theater. No, it was a perfect for theater. Right. And, and again, I think medium is huge. I think it's easier for me to say what I don't like than what I do like when it comes mm-hmm. to these movies because I kind of like all of them. But uh, Notorious, I think, is the, is the one that I would say is the worst if I had to think of one, like, <sighs> off the top of my head. Especially about somebody who's, like, I'm a huge fan of the person. Um, Dude, and, I forgot Notorious was even a movie. And somehow, some way, I, I own Blu-ray. I, I don't own know that why. too. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I own it. I've seen yeah. it one time, reluctantly. I knew it was going to be bad. I think my brother got it for me as a gift. And I was like, or... dude, why did you give me this? He's like, you love Biggie. I'm like, but I don't want to watch this bullshit. Like, yeah. oh, it's yeah. going to be so, so bad. I mean, you and I kind of talked about, you know, how I felt everybody was portrayed. And, um, you know, I, I personally felt like it was very obvious that Michael Bivens kind of had, you know, creative control in terms of the way he was portrayed in the movie. Uh, but I think Puff is the epitome of that in Notorious. The way okay. he portrayed himself with Derek Luke was like, seriously, dog, like, nah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, the, the portrayals a little bit. Who, cool. which portrayal did, I guess you did not, you didn't like the Michael Bivens portrayal that much? So, all right. I, I like it. Like it was, it was good. Um, I think that the guy that plays Bivens in the movie, I, he is also in Empire. Which I watched I Empire, <gasps> yeah, and it just felt like he's the same character that he is in Empire, and they just lifted that character and made him Bivens. Okay. Um, I just think that that particular actor doesn't have very much range. He can kind of okay. only do the same thing every time. Um, but uh, you know, I, we, you and I were kind of talking about Devoe, mm-hmm. and um, and I mean, I personally. I think that DeVoe is kind of a glue guy. Maybe that was a little understated in, in terms of the way he was portrayed in the movie. Well, I think that the, the conversation, I want to say when he gets married, mm-hmm. that's when Bobby Brown Bobby says, that. says that, yo, you were the glue that held us together. And when right. I lost you, that's when I knew that there was no coming back to new edition. Right. But like with with DeVoe, at least me as a as a fan, um, DeVoe and Ralph Tresvan were my favorite car- or dudes in the, in the group. Really? Um, Wait, so growing up, mm-hmm. DeVoe was your favorite? He was one of my favorites. Is this because of BBD or is it because of New Edition? Like, cause well, what did he do in New Edition? So part of really it is, out? you know, you got to realize when you're a kid and you're a fan of things, right. um, image is everything, you know, thirst is nothing. So, <laughs> I mean, right. you know what I'm saying? Grand like, Hill drinks Sprite. Right. Grand Hill so drinks like, Sprite. I mean, I felt like DeVoe was like the cool guy in the group. Like he had the cool outfits and he had the girls okay. and et cetera. So I was just a fan of DeVoe. Like I didn't understand like musical talent at that, <laughs> at that age. You so know what I'm saying? DeVoe wasn't singing. I didn't get that. He was just lip syncing the whole time, you know, like, <laughs> but, uh, but DeVoe, um, the, he, Michael Bivens has done multiple interviews where he talked about how, you know, DeVoe was like the cool of the group. And so a lot of what they were singing about and what their image was, was based on what DeVoe was in real life. And like, I kind of have this whole theory about, you know, if you look at, if you look at artists, a lot of artists are like really, really short folks that kind of have like a Napoleon complex. And so they portray themselves as these big, larger than life characters. Fife dog. <laughs> I'm not going to do Fife like that. Rest in peace, Fife. But, I mean, I mean, I mean, look, 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 I'm just, this is not a, I'm just saying he was always talking about like the five foot of seven, whatever. Yeah, like, you know? yeah, but I almost feel he's like gonna, he owned his hype more yeah, than yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like no, your, not, that's not like your jaw rules, you know, your people who are like, oh, I'm so, I'm so hard. I'm so thugged out. Wait, and it's how, like, how, Okay, but you're tiny. He's five, what, two or three or something. Are you serious? I think he's dumb short. And um and Mob Deep. 
Yeah, I know they show it. Super small. Lud- Ludacris isn't very tall. Yeah, either. you're right. So, yeah. but but like with DeVoe, because of the fact that he wasn't that persona, I don't think he projected himself the way other characters or other people within the group did. So is it like because he was just that? He so was just cool. He, so was it like is it like a security thing, like versus being insecure? Yeah, I think when like I think when you're really secure, like as an artist, your 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 security is more understated. Okay, but when you aren't, you know, when you're Bobby. You know, then you you're out there and you're acting out. You're you're creating this big persona. But for what yourself. is what would Bobby Brown have to be insecure about? Because he's not. It's not like he was a, a short guy, was he? I mean, well, all right. So one of the things that I, t- I said I talked before about like beats, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of uh, a lot of story points that this movie hit that I mm-hmm. think that a lot of other artists could probably see that and be like, yo, like I recognize what happened to them as something that happened to me. So, but draw a basic line, right? Where where do we find Bobby at the beginning of the movie? He's supposed to do a talent show. Yeah. He can't perform because he has an insecurity issue right. where it makes it that he can't sing. That's true. So, I mean, that's just at a very basic level. That's not even going into who Bobby is as a person. Well, what I was going to say mm-hmm. uh, is that one of the things... So, I think the dynamic between Ralph Tresvant and Bobby Brown, I think mm-hmm. the movie tries to... Pre- portray some friction between like Biv and Bobby. But to me, I think that the real underlying story is kind of like this, this d- difference between Ralph Tresvin and Bobby Brown right. in the sense that, you know, when they're kids, yo, this is something that Bobby Brown wants to do. Yeah. And Ricky Bell is like, yo, like I know this kid, he can blow. And the next thing you know, this group the that they got together, like group. Ralph Tresvin right. is, is, is a singer. And of course, unbeknownst to the rest of the group, Ralph Chesvan turns down this record contract. And so I think right. that for that, you've always got this sense that like, he's like, look, I could have done the solo thing. Yeah. You guys might be holding me back. Right, right. Um, I'll go back to that in a little bit. Um, whereas I think that like, what they showed in the movie was they, they constantly showed that like, where Bobby Brown, where the friction was the most, wasn't necessarily in the studio. It was at these tours. Mm. And Bobby Brown is trying to sing... He's trying to do his thing. He's trying to go on and on and on. Right. And they're trying to wrap it up. And right. I think that one of the things that might have caused friction was the fact that, you know, when did they when when did Bobby Brown lose his shit? It was when he's singing Telephone Man, which is his moment to shine. Mm-hmm. And he's not allowed to go on. And I think that maybe, maybe if you had more of Bobby Brown throughout the rest of the songs and not just Ralph Tresvant being lead singer, maybe Bobby Brown doesn't feel compelled to steal or to milk his moment as so much. Like maybe if it's like if he's is, like diversified is, throughout the rest of the songs. Is Bobby in the studio when the rest of the songs are being recorded, or is Bobby getting head in the whip driving? Well, okay, or doing coke. So all right, so they talked about that in the movie. I, I don't know. I mean, Telephone Man is what on their second album, right? I, mean, I don't know what I mean. So, but we're talking about like as they as they developed as a group. I think it became less about um, less about them saying, "Yo, we want Ralph and we don't want Bobby," and more about Ralph being in the studio all the time and yeah. having much better work ethic, and so them just creating songs around the guy that's there and doing doing the work. But isn't that also what Ralph wanted? I mean, Ralph said, and and this is. 
me, look, I'm not as much of a new edition fan as you mm-hmm. are, so mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know all the story. All right. But at least the way the movie tells it, uh-huh. that Ralph didn't want to be the lead singer. He wanted everybody else to get their shine. Yeah. So, I mean... Well, until he wanted to be the uh, a solo artist. and right. then, But by then, Bobby had already upstaged him. And then, you know, he was kind of like, yo, Bobby did everything that I wanted to do. So I want to talk about that. Yeah. Um, before we talk about that, I'm curious, what do you think the money situation had to do with it? In the sense that, mm-hmm. you know, he when Johnny Gill comes to the group, he says, right. like, I'm not splitting my money five right, ways. No right, more. Right. right. So unless Bobby's coming back, we're not doing that. Do you think maybe had the money situation been better when they were younger and they didn't necessarily have to worry about that as much, that maybe the solo thing would not have been as big a deal to him? I think it would have been totally different. Um, I think addicts are addicts because they have addict behaviors. And, and so if that was Bobby's plight, and they got money a lot earlier, he might have become Bobby a lot earlier. Like, I don't think that money makes you a different person necessarily. It might just enable you to be what you always were going to be anyway. Okay. So I think in that situation, maybe you get even less Bobby vocals because Bobby doesn't even put out a solo record because he's already rich. Right. (laughs) Well, Bobby kind of had, Bobby was kind of like a wild card. He was a little bit definitely destructive. Right. But that would also, doesn't that also like contribute to him being a rock star and making him oh, more marketable? Sure. I think that honestly, that's one of the things that I, I really love about Bobby's contribution to New Edition. Him being a wild card like that, it gave a certain edge to the group that they didn't have. And if you remember, like they were kind of trying to get out of this whole like, we're these little kid, little kids, kitty right. group, you know, making these kitty records. Um, Johnny murdering boys to men and continuing on definitely helped with that. But I think Bobby's image definitely also helped. So, all right. So let's get into Ralph Tresvan a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they definitely make it seem that, you know, Yo, turn Ralph... That, turn this, this weak shit off. What did I say? <laughs> turn this soft shit off. <laughs> Which, I mean, I was listening to it. Yo, his and first I was like, album was kind of soft, though. I thought, well, okay, not just his first album, though. And so in the movie, he says, all right, he says, uh, Bobby did everything that I was going to do. Which isn't true. Exactly. I don't think I agree with that. And his girl was was like, yo, you should do this shit Bobby's doing. And he was like, no. The, so I want to say something real quick. I'm sure that Ralph Chesvan was, was, was popular as an individual artist. Like, mm-hmm. I think his first album sold, um, went platinum. Sensitivity went platinum, yeah. The so song. here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Like, that song mm-hmm. wouldn't do shit nowadays. Oh, hell no. Like, listening to the lyrics, mm-hmm. you you don't need a man with money or a car, all this <laughs> stuff. You need a man with sensitivity. Like, well, look. Yo, obviously, times have also changed. Yo, I can't think of any woman that I know, for real, mm-hmm. that... Like I can't see any of them getting wet today. Like but I just yo, can't. But yo, you gotta. You also gotta think about the time frame, right? And I think that they did a really good job of portraying this. In that, um, the time frame of the Temptations, which is kind of what they were modeled after a little bit, um, you would have these guys that sang in these super high pitched falsettos, yeah, okay. about about their emotions, and right, women okay. loved it, right? Yeah, wait, 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 wait. and then right. and then later on. You had New Jack Swing come in and just tear everything off. And you had, you know, your Jodices and your dudes like this that were like straight bad boys that were like, look, girl, I'm going to do this to you and I'm going to do that to you. Right. Right. And so the time frame that we're talking about is actually the clash between those two things. And I think that's kind of what they were showing where like Bobby came in and just because 
he wasn't the artist that Ralph was. Yeah. So Ralph did Ralph would have creative control because Ralph is an artist. Uh, Bobby was just the guy that they were going to do this stuff with. I mean, he had no solo aspirations until dude said, look, we got to do a solo album with you if you want to leave the group. So what's up? Yeah. And then- is, is, so Do you he, think that actually happened? I think to I, some I have degree, no idea. I think to some degree it did. Okay. I, I haven't heard, heard about I'm li- it. But. As I was listening to it, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually thought Tank did a good job in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, I didn't even realize that was him. Yeah, that yeah, was Tank. That was yeah. um, but to me, I'm listening to it, I'm like, mm-hmm. this sounds like bullshit. It so, sounds but, like bullshit. But, but what I think is true out of that relationship is Bobby, as somebody who has less solo aspirations, he he was just like, yo, make me a hit. I just want to be a star. Yeah. So he's in this, he's in the studio in a very coachable way. Mm-hmm. More so than a Ralph Tresvant who has been in the studio all along, kind of knows what he wants to hear and what his sound wants to be. So those conversations he was having with his girl, his girl was like, yo, just do this new Jack Swing shit, it's popping. And he's like, nah, I kind of know what I sound like and I want to play to my strengths. Where I'm going to disagree with you on, mm-hmm. in terms of like the high pitch falsetto, which I agree, mm-hmm. that's a thing. But I, I feel like the issue to me isn't necessarily like, opening up and pouring out your soul. I don't think that that is unattractive. Okay. I think the idea of saying, hey, I'm sensitive you don't and I don't want have any a money. man who, you don't need a man who's got money and can offer you all these things. <laughs> like, you need a man with sensitivity. Like, right. I think that is like bullshit. But to go back to a point that you made earlier, um, Ralph didn't write that song. Right. These guys aren't songwriters. True. So whoever true, he true, was true. in but the he still with, but he that. still had to co-sign on it though. He still had to be like, oh, fair, I'm cool singing it." Fair. No, that's true and I mean, so I think who he wanted to be as an artist and who Bobby wanted to be as an artist are completely different. And that's why I think that whole Bobby's doing all the things that I wanted to do unless we're talking accolades is bullshit. So, all right. So, I guess the question is, do you think it was a fair depiction in the sense that Sensitivity was a really big record, mm-hmm. right? I'm cl- I'm on record right now, kind of clowning. N- not that I don't think it's a good song. The melody is, is fine. It's like, not it's good. It's cool. It's not good. You you think it's what? It's not good. I think okay. it's I think it's one of the anchors of of the group in terms of one of the low points of of them putting but, uh, out. My my point is is that right. I'm not necessarily dissing the track in terms of how it sounds. Right. I think the lyrics are whack. Yeah. And I think that or yeah, I think the I think the lyrics are a little too soft. And yet, Ralph Tresvant is portrayed as being very, very soft. I, so see, I'm so asking that, if you that think goes, that's fair. I, no, I 100% agree with you. All and then right. we, we, we kind of talked about that a little bit. I, I think that um, I think that Bivens had a whole lot of control over the way he was portrayed based mm-hmm. on what I saw. And I think Ralph had a lot less control over how he was portrayed. Because from the very beginning, we see him and he's doing karate and he has no friends. So we yeah. go from that to, you know, what happens when they grow up and get older and then he's kicking dudes out of his crib. Like, I think they they did portray him in that way. And I, I don't know him personally or know a lot of... Like, no. he's not like... Like, Bivens does a lot of interviews. Right. So I hear a lot of his... He's more accessible. Who, ...who he is. I don't I don't hear a lot about Ralph enough to feel like I, I kind of know how he is as so a person. So maybe it was fair what they so did. So maybe it was fair. Maybe he's dumb soft. <laughs> but, I, you know, I don't know if I feel that way. I, I think maybe they played him a little bit. Yeah, I, I, look, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if that's yeah. what his actual persona is, but yeah. I know that sensitivity is a very, very soft record. Yeah. There's no, there's no cojones on that record. <laughs> and that's how he came off. You know, that's how they came off in the movie. Yeah. Um, 
I guess at some point we got to talk about Ricky Bell, I guess. Yo, let's get there. But before we go there, let's talk about moments, particularly the moment where they sang Can You Stand the Rain okay. in the movie. Um, I thought that, like, even though I don't, I think that Luke James did not do my man Johnny Gill's voice any justice okay. because Johnny was so incredible on that song. Um, that moment was like a really dope moment. So, uh, one of the questions I was going to ask you, uh, I was going to ask you, like, what your highlights of the movie were. Right. And that, to me, that that recording session, yeah. I don't know if it actually went down like that in real life. Right. But I don't care either. Like, <laughs> that scene, because they do the entire song, too. Because they, yeah. they, don't, they didn't always do the entire song. Right. They right, did right. the entire song, every right. single ad lib in that scene. Yeah. And seeing Ricky and Ralph and Johnny just yeah. kind of play off each yeah. other. Like that was like I'm 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 watching I'm like yo this shit is fire right I will say and I'm sorry to take it away from nah, that moment ahead. because that's that's the joint one thing that I think they did do well on is um boys to men I heard that that session in real life really went that way okay like you know Ralph had no idea that Johnny was coming to be a part of the group. Right. Johnny blew boys to men away. Mm-hmm. He did that thing that only he's capable of doing, the little stutter thing that he does where he's like, right, right. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> I don't I don't know how he does it. It's incredible. Um Is that like a like a scat? I, I don't know what it is that he does, <laughs> man, but it's crazy. But um Ralph really felt some type of way about it. Um it really did kind of transition them to where people took them more seriously as a group. Yeah. But Ralph was not at all on board with Johnny at that point in time. And the way they made it sound where like he kind of came in and he was embraced by some members, but Ralph wasn't on board and he came and he stole the show and Ralph resented it. All of that is what I've heard. In yeah. Every portrayal of that. No. And uh, uh, I actually, before I watched the movie, I was actually mm-hmm. reading just like a quick little synopsis. Right. And they mentioned that uh, yeah. the same thing that like, you know, he and Johnny had a, a really good like conversation or whatever. Yeah. And Ralph did respect him musically. And then, you know, they ended up becoming really, really good friends. Right. right. And I thought that that, that, that moment. That moment, yeah, kind um, of brought, brought yeah, we got to see it. Like The fact that he yeah. opens up about saying like, you know, like they offered me a solo contract before. But it was and, wild. The one line where he goes, Yo, they told you you were gonna be Bobby. And he yeah. was like, Nah, they told me you were gonna be. I was, that was, was gonna be you. Gonna be you. Yeah. That was wild, Joe. Like, yeah. it was like just that was it was dope how they the pacing and everything of that scene was perfect. I thought it was dope. And then um and then also, you know how it is. It's like you know Michael and Dennis or you know any any like big you know basketball players or or, or athletes. You kind of gotta f- find respect for that person in their field, right. and I feel like they did a good job of they performed "Can You Stand the Rain," and then they looked across at each other like, "Okay, okay, you you that dude? Like, I get it now." Yeah, the difference is, yeah. is that those two characters, Ralph and Johnny, are friends. Uh, Michael and Dennis never talk to each other. <laughs> There's actually a YouTube video yeah. on that. Uh, yeah. Michael, how Michael and Dennis just never talk to each but other. But when the Bulls finally gelled, they had a lot of respect for each other. Okay. Yeah, but uh, but anyway, we we might actually get into a little basketball later <laughs> on. We might we might we might go to that. Man, so all right, so we're gonna talk that. about talk about Ricky Bell a little bit. Yeah, let's talk about Ricky, man. I, I I so first of all, um, I've seen Stranger Things. It's on Netflix. Okay. And the the boy who plays Ricky Bell is actually one of the characters in Stranger Things. So I was playing, mm. I was playing real real close wow. attention. That's uh, true. And then I think he, I thought you know, he is. 
that kid who uh-huh. plays Ricky Bell, the yeah, boy, yeah. is someone who I think is slotted to have like a good career in Hollywood. Okay. And so they kind of upped him a little bit mm-hmm. as they were young. Yeah, because he did you the see, whole thing where he stole Ralph's girl. Right, first, right, like right. First scene, yeah. And then as it goes to them being older, uh-huh. they almost cut Ricky out until you see him being, you know, until he's got like his drug problems yeah, and his financial problems. True. And the only the only way, the only kind of lines he gets is like, hey, everybody, like, we got to get along. I need money. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, that's kind of tough. Is that? Dang. I thought it was kind of tough how, that, how, that, how they did him. That's real. I didn't even think about it. And the wild thing about it is, again, you know, this is a group that I grew up with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're a kid, you see the flashy things and you don't really pay too much attention to the the, the bylines. Um, I really wasn't a, a Ricky Bell fan. Like, I, I didn't really okay. know too much about Ricky. All I knew about Ricky was once BBD became a group, he was the only guy that actually sang actually in the sang. group. Right. But other than that, like, I didn't really... So I, I didn't feel any type of way about how he was portrayed. I never realized he had the level of a drug problem that he that they portrayed in the movie. I didn't know that about him. And you know, they I think they really kind of uh, they really kind of um, went in depth on that a little bit, especially mm-hmm. considering that you know he they didn't give him that much yeah. uh, in the eighties. I tell you um, what though. He was one of the three people that were on board at every single stop to um, promote this movie. Okay. So, I mean, it, yeah, if it, that's if why it I wasn't, give him props. Yeah, like he, I guess that's really his story because if it wasn't, he would have said, "Nah, I don't co-sign this movie." No, and and I give him props for unless he needed for, money for, again. <laughs> no, well, look, I I I, I applaud anybody who yeah. is look, you know. I don't have any. I don't have any personal struggles mm. with addiction or self abuse. Right. But I give props to anybody who can be honest with themselves and yeah. open and vulnerable yeah. and have that be portrayed like that. Like, true, true. you know, good for you, especially considering that we've, t- we've spoken about him a little bit, but yeah. we could talk about him a whole lot more. Right. That stuff with Bobby Brown isn't really in the movie. It's yeah. there when he's a teenager and right, a young right, 20, right. but we don't even, we don't talk about Whitney. Yeah. We don't talk about all his problems. Right. You know, we we focus on new edition gelling with Johnny Gill and putting out their album yep. and then all the next thing you know is like hey you know uh, Lou si- uh, Silas or whatever he's played by Dwayne Martin okay. uh, comes in and says oh by the way by the way Johnny's going on with tour you. with uh, yeah. with Bobby Brown yeah. I mean, so, with so, so how did you feel about them completely they this is what they did this is what mm-hmm. they did um, and I guess it's I guess it's okay so remember when, when Straight Outta Compton came out mm-hmm. who is I forget her name but who is a reporter the journalist whoever who D- used to be homeboys with D Barnes? Uh, what's her name? D Barnes, the, yes. the joint that uh, that Dre slapped up. Yes, yes, okay. yes. And what she was saying was that look, I am glad they didn't actually show that in the movie because you don't mm. need to see violence against women right. on screen. Right. You know, it doesn't need to be glorified. Uh-huh. But they didn't even mention it. They right, could have right, at least right. mentioned it. And that's kind of what they did with this. Mm-hmm. You see, it's like, oh, uh, uh, while while Ricky Bell has his drug problem, they, what's on TV? Oh, Bobby Brown, uh, the, the new edition went on, they had to put a break so that Bobby Brown could go to court and settle something with his wife, Whitney right. Houston. Like, that was all they said. Yeah. I mean, I, I think out of respect uh, to Whitney and her legacy. So you think that's they why they did it? They didn't really okay. touch on it too much. I think also, 
Um, there would have been a lot of pressure on whoever was going to play Whitney and, and Whitney's character and, and how to portray it in, in the right way. I think they really did a good job of saying, let's make sure that this movie is just about new edition and, okay. and isn't about, you know, but Bobby Brown is such a, an important thing to new edition. No, like, for sure. I mean, they just, I guess it's one of those things where they just expect you just to know that Bobby Brown was just a wild boy and like, mm. we don't even need to talk about it. Yeah, I mean they they really only played it up when it when it made when it helped the storyline. Yeah, you know, okay. It, yeah. So, so you I mean, so you so you appreciate the way that they that they edited that the way the direction that they. I took. mean, because Bobby needs his own movie. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know like, what? I there's think you're right. I there's think you're a right. whole lot there, and and I honestly that's the thing that I would say about Ricky. If Ricky had this terrible drug problem, um, the only thing they did was allude to it when Bobby got caught with drugs early on, and Ricky mm-hmm. said. Y'all been doing this all along. You just got to not get caught. But other than that, we didn't really see anything about it until it was way too late. The one thing I will say was his wife was bad. And if she was really a rider like that, yo, fam, yo, kudos to you. I'm going to go ahead and give you applause. Yo, you lost the house. You lost the cars. You lost everything. You were OD and you were taking all their money. She didn't have no money. And she was so rocking Well, we don't really. According to the movie. Yeah, according to the movie. Yeah. So much We didn't see her at the wedding, though. She wasn't at the wedding. At least I don't remember it. I would I would have remembered seeing True. that actress in those scenes she at the wedding. She wasn't in the wedding. I don't know. She's kind of bad though. Huh. Okay. Well, yeah. I have to go back and watch it again. But um, I just didn't see it. Maybe she was, but like yeah, I yeah. feel like she, I just remember being like, "Wow, she's like still on board with all of this yeah. that's going on." Um, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, I, I thought it was a great film. I think they did a good job with it. Um, I personally, I'm a big fan of the group. Uh, there was this whole phase where they joined Bad Boy in 2004. Uh, at the time I was in college, I remember, you know, getting uh, an email saying that I had a package back in my dorm room to, and I and running back to go get this, you know, this package so I could go listen to the new new edition album in 04. <laughs> I actually enjoyed it. It had a couple of records with Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam, who are two of my favorite okay. producers of all time. Um, and I kind of wish I was able to see some of the behind the scenes of how that came together. Like, you know, Puff. This is, this is back when Bad Boy was just snatching everybody. They right. Because they, they, they had just had A-Ball and MJG. Right. A-Ball and MJG just came out with two huge hit Bad records. Bad Boy South. Right. And then and then that. The uh, Boys in the Hood were out around that time. Right, right, um, right. They had like, which was Jeezy and, uh, and all those cats. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, man, like it was, it was huge. And I remember loving that album. And I might be the only person in the entire world who had that album. Uh, you know, I've never even heard it. But I had it. I enjoyed it. And the other thing I remember around that time frame is uh, B2K was still a little kind of popular. Okay. And I remember they put out that Hot Tonight song. And I thought it was B2K when it first came out. <laughs> then I realized it was some 50-year-old men that was trying to sound like B2K. <laughs> that made me feel some type of way. Nah, they're not. They, 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 they only like 48 right now. <laughs> so know. that would have been, they would have been in their 30s. They would have been our They age. weren't in their 30s. There's no you way. said 2004, right? No. Oh, yeah, 04, yeah. That was so that's out. 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. They are, I looked it up. I think the oldest one of them is 48 now. Wow. So that would have been uh, like 36. Damn. So, you know, I'm going to be 34 this year. So yeah, they well, give and take their eyes. Hopefully when your album comes out, you don't sound like, <laughs> like B2K. All but, right, so uh, you mentioned Bad Boy. Uh, One of the things that kind of surprised me mm-hmm. is the fact that, you know, that Home Again album. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, they, they show it in the sense that 
they show the photo shoot right. with the, with the puff puff joint in the background, right. and they don't talk about any of those songs. And one yeah. of the things that the movie did was they would either show like a music video mm-hmm. or they would show like a concert performance or something. Yeah. They didn't do anything from that album, and it kind yeah. of surprised me because. I have to admit here, I was not really too familiar with New Edition. Like, I knew the song Candy Raid and Telephone Man, but I did yeah. not know that as New Edition. Right. I, my introduction to New Edition was actually like, you know, I'm still in love with you mm. um, and the other, other other records. I mean, it's got like four or five joints yeah. on that album yeah. that I are think... pretty good. And they don't, they don't even touch any of that in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Uh you know, I really think that that comes from the perspective of the creators, them being creators, and them not remembering that period of time very fondly. If you look at the way they portrayed that photo shoot, you know, they were all on different pages. People were drunk. People were whatever. It was like, oh, yeah, yo, good to see you, man. Good to see you. They dapping each other up. They doing the photo shoot real quick. Um, and they probably feel that way about the album. Um, I also that's my favorite new edition album. Um, I remember it feels when it feels so good came out and right. I was like, yo, these guys are back. Like I was hype. Um, but I think maybe then we kind of have to also pat the folks that they brought into the studio to write right. and produce those songs um, together. So that's something that yeah. I wanted to mention. And you know, you and I have conversations about this a lot. Right. Particularly with some artists, we won't mention whose names they are. But, um, you know, one thing that in the movie, like they never show these artists making, you know, playing any instruments or writing any lyrics. In fact, I think when um, when Ralph Chesvant, the scene where, where, you know, when they're in the crib and he's like, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, you know, we could be Phil Collins in the Genesis. He's like, no, we can't. You don't even play drums. Right. Right. They don't show them being particularly creative individuals They're not coming up with their own choreography. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Uncle Stro, uh, Bobby Payne, uh, Mm -hmm. Brooke Payne, which, by the way, it's got to be said that Wood Harris killed it. Oh, my God. He killed it. As Um, usual. And and just a little side note here, the uh, I was reading an article that the actual Brooke Payne mm. said that you know that Wood Harris did an amazing job portraying that character, and yeah. he was actually like everything about like Wood Harris's like acting in that, mm. um, and just that character, like yeah. I just I just absolutely loved. Absolutely. So, but you know, going back going back to it, is that you know these folks were just I guess performers and just right. singers, yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, we see. We see uh, artists, you know, get to the studio and maybe the people who are responsible for actually producing the album and and engineering it and writing it and just everything that goes into the album is not very good. But it all came together here. Uh And so it's just it's interesting that, you know, there this period of music, which is your one of your favorite new edition albums, which they don't think fondly of. Yep. um, But yet. The producers, like whoever, the like music. whoever is the, the 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 things going on behind the scenes, like they came with it, right? And so I just think that, like, I don't know, does this kind of validate the idea of just how much, like, control certain artists don't have? Maybe I mean I think that's a different conversation, just because you know these these are this is a pop group that always called itself a pop group, right? And and that's just what pop is all about. Like nobody ever asks about you know. Who wrote the Backstreet Boys records? Or right. Who wrote, you know, Britney Spears records? Or you know, whatever. So I mean, I, I think that you know, I'm I'm okay with that just from the perspective of them being a pop group. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still, but, I still. But, well, that's not. But my this is not a knock to New Edition. Right. My my question is, is it the fact that the fact that New Edition, the Home Again, is one of your favorite New Edition albums? Right. Not your favorite. Yep. 
the fact that they don't even look about they don't even look at that album fondly or that uh-huh. period fondly. Yeah. They weren't getting along, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, does that just go to show that just how much the the powers that be, the people yeah. who are actually behind the scenes putting this album together, like just how much they can really influence Man, an album. I think like with, that's my I question. think with pop music it's it's all about what happens behind the scenes. Okay. Um and I think this movie they they cared more about their personal lives than they did about their catalog. And yeah. that's the reason why songs like Hit Me Off that were huge and, and you know feel so good and all these songs that I love so much, you know, I mean they, the stories behind them were probably not as you know, fine to them as, but, as the stories behind some of these other records. You know, I'm curious though because um, the I'm Still in Love with You, mm-hmm. right? Uh, is, is, is a, you know, really, really good song. Yep. Um, the video is fine, but they, they, I, I thought, I don't know, maybe it would have been interesting if they showed that video, but then they also that showed That video like, them, is so dope and it's like, it's may, like them if, really grown. But what if they showed like the making of it and they just like hate each other? Like, I don't know, maybe that could yeah, have been Yeah, that would have been dope. I mean, but you know, I, I guess you got to give them a, a level of artistic license. Yeah. I would agree with you though, if they did have malice towards each other or were not feeling it in that video, that would have been really dope to see nice. on screen. But or maybe, I mean, maybe they couldn't get a boat. Like if you remember that video, they're on a boat. Yo, oh, so that you know what? Was I, crazy. I think you're right because yeah. this was actually, I think one of the reasons why I love this movie so much mm-hmm. uh, and why I think that the TV was a perfect platform. Right. Because when you have a, like a made-for-TV production, you can kind of get away with things being a little bit right, low a little budget. Lower budget. And when you yep. see them do like, when you see them do the, the sensitivity video, mm-hmm. it's just them <laughs> in the studio. Right. And you got a woman who is in a, in a, is in a one-piece right. bathing suit with some... Yo, but have See you seen through. that video? But that's the thing, That's though. really what it looks like. But, that, but, but, but in the video, though, they're actually, at least they're in some, like, uh, some, I don't know. They, they got a pool in there. It's uh-huh. some yeah. expensive house, whatever, mansion, whatever. Right. It's something right. like this. They're just in the studio. It's like, why is a chick in the studio with, right. like, some, 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 some bathing suit? And then the point is, is that they, they right. really kind of went like low budget on it. Yeah, and you're right. Yeah, maybe yeah. they couldn't think of a creative way to go budget, low budget yeah. on that. Or they just thought. Because I'm, know, still, I'm still time. in love with you. I'll never forget. Like they're on a, a yacht. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I remember, you know, dude being like Ralph Tresman being like, I'm still a man. And like, he's like his he's in the jack pose from, right. from Titanic, like with his hands up on a boat. So, um, but yeah. Good, good, good movie. Uh, sounds like we both liked it. Yeah. Um, is there anything else you can take away from it, or? Um, I really would have liked to see more uh, of what happened later. Um, I, I, again, after I'll reiterate, the BET performance, I'll reiterate uh, or before they, Home Again, after the BET performance, okay. it would have been cool to see more about Home Again as well. Um, because they didn't really go delve into how that album came together. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it also would have been cool Especially I, since it is a really good album Yeah, I would have expected to see like a quick shout out to uh, Johnny's My 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 When he did they, that performance on um, Family Matters Well, Because Johnny oh, Gill was Johnny Gill had like a mildly recurring, um, you know, like feature where, you know, he was Laura's favorite artist and whenever Stefan <laughs> w- would come out the time machine, he would get Johnny Gill to perform for her my my my. Well, they did song. have the my 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 yeah, video for two in seconds. the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which uh, I actually love that scene um, mm. where they show the six of them on. I, was that an actual interview? Yo, that's an actual looks like, interview, and it's a train wreck. Is if it, you is ever it, have is it ch- actually? Does it, it actually looks go like, like that? that? That's 
hilarious. That's, that's the coolest. That is hilarious. That actually might be the best thing about the the movie was like them reenacting that scene because literally it's like. Is she really saying, realize, "Oh, this is so awkward"? But hey, I don't remember if those were her exact <laughs> words. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, but like literally, it was like you were seeing three separate groups that are supposed to be one group like mm-hmm. all interacting with each other and all trying to outshine each other yeah. i don't also don't remember mike bivens being like yo if you want to get a record deal <laughs> come holla at me but i i need to go back and watch that that uh that interview again because it really did go like that so, all yeah. right well cool so uh before we get into some other subjects uh if we even have time uh maybe we have a little bit of time yeah but um, before we even do that, just where where do you think this leads us in terms of um, you know getting more of these mo- movies out there? What other stories do you want to see? Man, whew, what other stories do I want to see? Again, I love movies like this, so I mean, I want to see as many as possible. Um, I do remember though hearing that this movie, the success of this movie, just greenlit someone else's story and i don't remember who it was okay but um again you know kind of back to our whole super group conversation um i'm always happy about you know things like this having success to kind of open up doors to allow more things like that to happen so okay yeah all right so uh that's probably gonna wrap it up for what we talk about with it with the new edition movie but uh, as we as we said to open the podcast we are going to talk about some other issues that are kind of i guess relevant today yeah uh and so um Hey, uh, do you know anybody who's expecting? <laughs> do I personally know anybody who's expecting? I, probably. Um, shout out to Tracy. Uh, but uh, apparently I, I, Beyonce yeah, apparently. Is, uh, is expecting. So, all right. So, first of all, we're not even going to necessarily talk about uh, Beyonce here. Uh, oh, I mean, naturally we are, but this isn't anything... <laughs> We don't want to be assassinated by the yeah, 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 yeah. Uh What was your reaction to her announcement? Um, so I really, I think I saw the pictures later than everybody else did. Okay, I so, saw them. Um, like I follow yeah. people on Instagram who right they they showed it. Like uh, uh. one of the people I follow, actually, actually, it happened back to back. So two separate individuals right. posted two separate pictures, and obviously, I'm mm. not going to say what the caption was, but obviously, it was like major standum in these in these depictions right, of these right. pictures so anyway i mean my, my my immediate reaction was good for her yeah, that was I, my reaction too i don't really care yeah. um and I, the reason i say i don't care is not because i feel any type of malice or anything like that but like in general like when celebrity life events happen I don't care that much just because I don't know these people personally. Right. Like, you know, my boy and Callie just had a kid, you know, uh, recently and I haven't been out there to see the kid. I need to go out there and see the kid. My bad. I'm a horrible friend. <laughs> but like, you know, these are people that I like know and have real relationships with. And right. I really care because I care about those people and I care about their well-being. Um, other than that, I just have a general respect for humans and I want people to be happy. So if, right. if having a kid makes a celebrity happy, then I'm happy for them. And that's how I feel. So I had several reactions. Uh, the first was that, hey, good for them. Right. Um, good for Jay-Z and Beyonce. Uh, one of the reactions was that like, same, same as yours, I, mm-hmm. I actually don't really care in the mm-hmm. sense that Jay-Z being, uh, excuse me, Beyonce being pregnant is really none of my fucking business. <laughs> right. But, you know, cool. Um, 
one of the other reactions was that I actually thought that artistically, I thought the yeah. photographs were okay. I know okay. that we were just speaking to a woman who was a who was a beehiver, right? Right. And she was saying that she didn't really like like the photos all that much. She thought they were yeah. a little too like look like a funeral. We're not going to put her name on blast. I think she's in a minority though. A lot okay. of the women that I um that I know that you know they they felt that that was an aspirational photo shoot right like they like they aspire to do something like that for themselves and 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 i've seen other other women on instagram uh <laughs> post you know you know pregnant pictures and that's cool it, oh, i thought you were gonna say something similar to that which is hilarious i don't know if you've seen any of the memes of people no nah, i haven't seen Yo, oh. people have already been memed <laughs> um it, it's it's just funny man i mean let's just be honest right like the Beyonce beehive thing is just this level of pandemonium whenever there's anything with her so, name mentioned. So right? this is what I was going to say. My last reaction point, and this is what I really wanted to talk about, is that mm. I think that Beyonce trolls her fans. Okay. In the sense that if you look at this, right, like Beyonce, it's it's always like this time of year. There's got to be a statement. I mean, think about it. Nobody nah, knows man. that she's coming out with her her. I don't even know the name of the album. Was it Beyonce? Whatever the joint oh, that she the, just yeah, dropped Beyonce. overnight. Yeah, it was right. Self-titled joint. Right, the self-titled joint. It just drops overnight, and then yeah. boom, like it's it's like a huge thing, right? right? And then you know she's got this Super Bowl thing uh, last year, yeah. and this you know. Um, uh, you know, that's crazy because you're, you're kind of right about timelines because the Beyonce joint was, I think, a December release. Yeah, the um, the Super Bowl obviously is in February, so it's right around yeah, the time yeah, last year. Yeah, and then um, like this news, and I was speaking to, I was speaking to my my, my girl, mm. and she's kind of like my, uh, she helps me out with a lot of this pop culture stuff because. Okay. You know me, I couldn't give two fucks about half of this shit, right? But she she pays a lot more attention than I do. And she was saying that, you know, she's not a stan. Mm -hmm. She's a real fan, but in the sense that she can still be objective and critical about Beyonce. Right. But she's saying that, like, that Beyonce kind of teases her fans a little bit. Like, sometimes, like, they'll put stuff out there to make it seem like she's pregnant. Oh, but no, she's not. Or, uh -huh. um, like... There's all these cons conspiracy theories going around right, that she's right. pregnant, and then so the boom, like boom, there's an announcement like this, and there's nothing in the press. Mm -hmm. There was nothing in the press before this, right? Right. And so the, the announcement is like is like is like under her control and under mm -hmm. her marketing, which is cool, actually. If yeah. you want to announce something to the world, the fact that it's on your own terms, like I applaud you, good job. Right. But I think that like the fact that people eat this up so much, yeah. And the thing that the thing that kills me mm -hmm. is that. When we were talking about Beyonce around this time last year, right. and, and the trend I talk about, like, you know, she always does this the same time of year is because right. it's almost like she wants to set the precedent for the Beyonce story, <laughs> how we're going to talk about it for, like, the rest of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, which is cool. But it's just, like, I remember these conversations where people were arguing about, like, you know, is Jay-Z, like, that douchey-ass MF-er, like... And now, okay. and now I'm seeing the same people who were dissing Jay-Z, like, oh, I can't wait to see the five of them. Mm. It's like, I th weren't we supposed to hate them? Like, what's good? Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree you're right. But I also think from the perspective of when we look at power in media, um, you know, that's crazy. Like in 2017, to be able to really have 110% control of your narrative is which, crazy. Which, which I do and, support. Yeah, I and support. I mean, like the fact that, you know, she is able to release everything on her own terms. Yeah, I mean, you have to think about that. Her. I think I read somewhere that there are 112 writers on Lemonade. 
Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like she has a team yeah. and, and that uh, team is, is she is, has a team or she has a machine. Uh, yeah. And that machine is, <laughs> is scandal tight. Right. Yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, like they them. like like so I mean I think they're they're doing a great job at what they do and more power to them. I don't think that the that the these news things that they're creating are for me. No. So I, I but but I applaud them for being able to control the folks that they are, you know, marketing that to. Okay. What uh oh shit. Um what okay, so what what she was also telling me was that mm-hmm. uh in terms of uh I guess answering the question that I had just posed mm-hmm. is that um and it kind of goes back to the fact that she kind of, you know, controls her fans a little bit is in the sense that like if Beyonce likes Jay-Z, fans like Jay-Z. Yep. Beyonce doesn't like Jay-Z. Fans don't yeah. fuck with Jay Z. Like she has. Like, what do you do with something like that? Like, you at, make at, uh, a shit ton of money. Is that what it That's is? That's what you do. I mean, yo, dog. Let's be real, right? Like, we we go back to me talking about how Devoe is one of my favorite members of right. of New Edition, and you right, said, right, right. "Well, what does he actually do?" And I was like, "He's cool." Yeah, like, he's I cool. mean, I think a lot of people that are consuming this stuff, both Beyonce's music and her media and whatever else. Um, they're consuming images that they like. And I mean, you know, the, the, she is, she and some other people, I think Drake is one of the people, I think Rihanna is one of the people, they have mastered media cycles. Yeah. Even Donald Trump, I think to some degree, no, Donald Trump. Like he, these people are does. masters of media and people are buying and consuming media. They're not, like music isn't a commodity anymore. Nobody cares about music. Nobody cares that somebody's a better singer than somebody else. No. Like this is just about consuming media for the sake of media. So basically, and what you're saying she's is she's a mogul. What you're saying is that Beyonce should run for president. Is basically what you're saying. Fam, I, I would rather her be the president than <laughs> Donald Trump. True, 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 true. So yeah. So when we're talking about uh, media and controlling narratives, uh, there is another story point. That uh, something that else happened in the in the news media. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about basketball, and yeah, it's 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 not much about music, but hip hop and basketball do kind of have a little uh, definitely. Yo, shout out to Jules, yo, Jewels, my man, my man, Allen Iverson, yo, the greatest MC. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Dame Dollar, who I actually think is good. Is that Damian Lillard? Uh, Damian Lillard, yeah, he's, he's actually nice. nice. He's nice, and actually, you know who's not that bad? Because I went back and listened to stuff. I was like, he's not that bad. Shaq. I knew you were gonna say Shaq. He's Shaq's not, not that bad, man. He's not, Chris Webber is terrible. <laughs> Allen Iverson is not good. He's not a good rapper. Uh, Kobe was uh, horrible. What about LeBron? He raps. Well, <laughs> we're talking about we're talking about basketball those, players. Oh, uh, those bars that he spit uh, at, at, at Charles, Charles Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if uh, if if for those who are not necessarily into it, essentially, um, you know. If you haven't been listening, if you haven't been paying, paying, paying close attention, the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are the number one seed in the East right now, uh, they struggled in the new year. Mm-hmm. And LeBron has gone on wax numerous times to vent. Crying. About, what is he doing? Crying. Crying, yeah. He's crying, whining uh, about... He needs uh, an effing playmaker. <laughs> That's what he needs. Not any of the other people that he he recruited to be on this team that he built. From right. Scratch. So he's going, he's going off, he's popping off about uh, to the GM, to the owner, essentially saying that, you know, all these, all these pieces that we need and, you know, kind of justifiably so. I can understand it. Uh-huh. I can understand from the perspective that like when he looks at what San Antonio is doing mm. without that much like star power, when he looks at what Golden State is doing, the fact that he knows he's not going to win against them. I can understand mm. the frustration, so right? especially given the fact that, you know, they've that been getting like the ass kicked right now. Sounds like what? That sounds like fear. Sounds like fear. Well, true, true, true. Mm. Um, 
But the, what I kind of want to focus in on mm-hmm. is, you know, this this back and forth between him and Charles Barkley. Right. And so Barkley says that, you know, after they lose again, I, I forgot who they lost to. It was some, it was some I think it was to Dallas. Uh-huh. They lost to Dallas. And Barkley basically calls him a whiner, says he's been crying. And, you know, he kind of challenges like his manhood in the sense it's like what you don't want to compete. So LeBron right. gets on wax and and says all this personal shit about Charles Barkley, which has yeah. nothing to do with the game. Right. And Charles Barkley, rightly so, says, "Look, like okay, he's right. Like he's right about some of that. He's right about he's wrong about other things. I'm glad he knows how to look me up and, and do a <laughs> Google search." And he's like, "But I'm not going to go personal, right? right?" And so you know, but one of the things that other people have noticed mm-hmm. is that LeBron uses this word hater, and he says that Charles Barkley is just a hater. Right. And what has been noted is that they said, look, anytime you say anything negative about any of these guys, you're deemed a hater. And right. that's something that I feel yeah, because I, I have been accused of being a hater, which mm. to me is like some bullshit. Mm. I like to think that I'm an objective, critical person. And that when I have biased opinions, I throw them out. I'm like, I am biased in this way. So there, I acknowledge that. I think there are some people in media that are so large that you're no longer allowed to think critically about them. Okay. Um, and I think Beyonce, who we just came from, is one one of those people. And I think that LeBron, in his own way, has kind of become that too, or at least in his own mind. Um, but but yeah, I mean, that's kind of my thought on it. If, we, if we're gonna go down that 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 path, is like, I think I think I, I see both sides, right? Like LeBron's like, "Yo, get off my back, X Y Z." Like most of the stuff that he said about Barkley was true. Like, yeah, you right. Most of it, he, you know, what I'm he saying? didn't get all of it right, but you right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Charles Barkley is paid to be critical about basketball. Like right. that's his job. That's his job and title. I personally think right. that in terms of his right. basketball opinions, we're not going to talk about his political opinions. Mm-hmm. In terms of his basketball opinions, I happen to think he's one of the best. I don't. Okay. However, I think here I don't really necessarily disagree with what he's saying. I mean, yeah, I, think, you don't I like think LeBron. Well, maybe. Uh, like, but all right, look. Um, the, the same argument can be made for Charles Barkley. Let's not act like he didn't try to ring chase at the end of his yeah, career. No, like a lot of people do. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I still feel like in his time frame, when you're LeBron, right, and you have more power than the GM does on your team, yeah. you have more power than anybody has ever had. Right. And you handpicked and chose contracts for people. You're now at a point where you're costing your team so much money 40 for million. cap for 40 cap million. Fees. Um, is, because, what, is what they lost because you you made them pay a certain amount of money for certain people. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, when you handpick your team, you can't whine to me about your team anymore because right. you picked them. So now, at this point in time, when does it become a I need to get better or I need to make people around me better? Yeah. When when do you take personal responsibility for this team that you built and you stop? talking about other people. I think the issue for LeBron, and this is where I kind of feel him, is the fact that LeBron should not have to play 40 minutes a game at 33 years Fair. old. Fair. He shouldn't. And I think that in order for him to make the rest of his teammates better, he's mm-hmm. got to do that, especially given the fact that you know Kyrie but Irving look, can drop look, 49 points and they only went, get two assists. They went and said, David Blatt, you're too controlling. Yeah, We're going to get rid of you and we're going to bring Ty Lue in because Ty Lue knows how to work with LeBron. Right. So you handpicked your coach. Are you telling me that you still have to listen to your coach and your coach is making you play too many minutes? Like, like, I mean, if LeBron wants to pay 38 minutes instead of 40 minutes, he could technically do that. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to tell me that Tyron Lue is forcing him to play as many minutes as he's playing. Right. So going back, I guess, to the crux of it, though, like, where do you... 
I know this whole this whole like I guess back and forth with you know with the artists and with the media like yeah I don't know it's interesting because we were talking about Beyonce and Beyonce gets to control her narrative yeah and LeBron even said like I don't want him tainting my legacy that way mm. and I don't know it's maybe LeBron really hasn't reached that point because what's what's interesting about Beyonce mm. is that I think one of the reasons why Beyonce in terms of the social media presence, why it right. is so big right. is because she does have a lot of people who are critical of her. That's why, right. like the Beyonce, that the Beehive is so active. But the thing, right? the thing that's different here, right? The reason it's apples and oranges is because well, and, sports, and, the, and, I'm, and I do think it is apples, but and but sports has so many more tangible metrics right. than than music wins does. and losses. So you know, uh, Milli Vanilli probably went platinum. Uh, Vanilla Ice went platinum. Nobody's gonna objectively try to pretend like those people are good. Right. So because of that, like record sales and concert sales and things like that, they're objective to a certain degree. But like you know, LeBron's points per game, minutes per game, three point you know attempted. Like like there's a lot of tangible metrics that we can right. use. Uh, right. Obviously, championships are important, which is why he's done what he's done in his career um but yeah and so i think those are the things that make it where it's like there's no way he could ever control his narrative the way a beyonce controls her narrative because music and sports is just different in that way if she wasn't responsible for her narrative mm-hmm. what do you how do you think her fans might see her hmm. if she wasn't responsible for it are you saying like if if her narrative wasn't so controlled yeah like well so i think and we've discussed this before i think that the beyonce narrative is um beyonce is able to be all things to all people she's a great mother who's also sexy and you know sexualized who's a great performer and a great singer she's a great citizen who has you know forward-thinking views about uh uh, femininity and 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 she you know feminist ideals um blackness and you know social responsibility as a black person um she has all of these great narratives right and and they've created almost this blank canvas of her uh to the point where if you feel very strongly about a specific issue they've given you just enough material so that you can say that Beyonce also feels very strongly about whatever it is that you feel strongly about. Right. And um, there's just kind of no way you can really do that from a just basketball perspective or just sports perspective for an athlete because no, night right. after night, they're having specific performances that are graded in a very specific way. And the people responsible for uh, grading, I guess, Beyonce are not really... Yeah, there's no know. objective scale, yeah. right? Okay. So essentially what you're saying is that like Beyonce, as we see here, isn't a real person. Like the the like the actual Beyonce knows, like the actual flesh and blood human being isn't actually who who everyone else thinks she is. Like that person who everyone thinks she is is just like some kind of like I think I don't know. you and I see her in a very human way. Um yeah, I you think, and I do. I think that people I think Beyonce, the Beyonce machine. Mm-hmm is something that's different things to different people, but yeah. all things to all people. I so Beyonce, the image of Beyonce is whatever you want her to be. If you want her to be the best mother ever, because you want to be the best mother ever, she's that. And they mm-hmm. have pictures where you can see that. Definitely. If you want her to be a black revolutionary, you know, you can go watch the Super Bowl performance and go, yo, this woman is a black revolutionary. She right. cares about black issues. Um, and you can do that with just about any issue. So last question uh, before we, we wrap this up. Um, is the Beehive going to come kill us or do you think we're good? 
Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to be a gangster and say that I have no fear in my heart, <laughs> but you know, I'm gonna just keep my my email box on uh, you know, on block just in case I get any any negative. Nah, I, I have no idea, man. I'm just honest, so I don't know how you feel. So I think that's gonna wrap it up. Um, uh, we kind of touched on a, a variety of subjects today. Um, next. Next thing we got going on, we got another Make It a Classic, and we're going to do Blueprint 2, which I am thirsty to do. Yes, sir. Blueprint 2. Super excited about that. Actually, when we first kind of came up with what Make It a Classic was going to be, I think we both had Blueprint 2 in yes. mind as, as yes. what we were going to do. So I'm very um, much looking forward to doing that. And then we're also going to try to incorporate a guest. Uh, yes. We kind of talked about on the last Salute Me or Shoot Me, I talked about um, the sound of L.A., and, you know, kind of went into detail about how I felt about Dr. Dre, Warren G, and DJ Quick. And, you know, so now we're going to do something that's a little bit closer to home for our outlaw, as well right. as uh, our guests who we're going to bring on. And we're going to talk about the sound of Virginia. Right. So uh, where can the people reach us right now? Uh, still on the Facebook, 80s Babies. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's the know. 80s Babies, right? The 80s Babies, and the I believe that babies. that's a... Okay. I think you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram as well, at The, the 80s, 80s babies. babies. That's correct. And you can find us on iTunes now. So, you know, when you find us, search for us, uh, you know, give us a review, give us a rating, all that stuff, so for we can sure, get out there sure. if you like what you hear. And yo, know. shout out to Nate Jeezy, shout out to Rodney, shout out to Brian Fernandez, all the folks that have, like, actually come on and you know, kind of debated with us a little bit in terms of the comments because we love that. Like, that's really what we do. And hopefully we'll be able to bring some folks on and allow them to, you know, put their opinions within the podcast as well. So it's dope. I love I love debating all this stuff and talking about this stuff with all y'all. So peace. And if you, if, you, if you like what you hear, you know where to find us. Reach out. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace. <laughs>